The honest conversation I would like to have on the opposite side of this is the one that says, in order for Israel to continue as it is, we have to continue to um, subjugate Palestinians, remove them from their home, and prevent them from the right of return, and keep them criminalized and besieged. Mm-hmm. Is it or is it not worth it? up on a Tuesday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini, with my betrothed. Mm, Are we betrothed? Is that what engaged is? Yeah. Oh, I always thought that was married. I don't know. I don't know. We're betrothed. What's up? If you're trothed, aren't you already... Oh, haven't you trothed? So betrothed is like before you're trothed. <laughs> instead of that makes sense. Instead of uh, post trothed. Yeah, post trothed. Mm-hmm. That's just regular ass trothed. What's up, everyone? I'm the fiance uh, in the house. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm here to talk hang about out. Israel Palestine. <laughs> That's what I'm good for. Because as uh, as NATO said on the show the other day, you always have to have like in case of Israel Palestine break glass on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, uh, break glass. But I do want to say. I love doing bonus episodes with you and I want, I'm so glad we can talk about, you know, Israel, Palestine and the awfulness, but also the context of everything that's happening. Sure. But I do think that is important for everyone out there to know that you don't need to be Jewish Mm -hmm. or Palestinian. You don't need to be Muslim. You don't need to really be anything to understand what is going on and to have an opinion about it. And so even though I joke about having the like, in case of emergency, here's the Jew behind Mm -hmm. the glass, Uh like that, that that's not a requirement. And so yes, for everyone, it's a fun joke that we are, you know, just doing for funsies. But uh, yeah, that's, I think it's a good up top letting people know that like, uh, if anyone gives you shit for talking about Israel, Palestine, uh, because you're not, uh, Jewish or you're not Israeli or you're not Muslim or you're not Palestinian, um, they're probably acting in bad faith. <laughs> exactly. I have, a, I have a feeling that they uh, take issue with your opinion more than they take issue with uh, what your, you know, religious or ethnic identity is. 100%. It's in, in any issue that requires a religious and ethnic identity in order to have an opinion about it mm-hmm. should be a red flag. That's a big red flag. That should it's one of them big old red flags. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say we are live on YouTube and Twitch. And usually when What's we up do Twitch. What up? <laughs> I feel like they um, like that. They do love that. I every time I do it, I yeah. just you oh, know, Twitch. they go crazy. Let's All play, the emotes. Let's play some games. There are emotes, by the way. Um I just want to let you guys know, usually when I do bonus episodes, I pre-release it for all the patrons. Uh, in this case, because it felt like such a pressing and timely issue, we're doing it live for everybody. So if you're not a patron, but you want to support the show, patreon.com slash room, five bucks, two bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can afford. 10 bucks gets you a shout out. 20 mm-hmm. bucks gets you access to our monthly AMAs, which I am doing tomorrow at noon. So May 19th at 12. Hopefully, Matt doesn't need the podcast studio. I don't. Exactly at that time. Uh (laughs) Okay, okay. Good to do the scheduling live, though. I like knowing at the moment we're live whether or not (laughs) I'll need the podcast studio. (laughs) Luckily. It wasn't on the joint calendar. It wasn't on the joint calendar. And I'm recording my podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast, uh, (laughs) Thursday uh, at noon. 
Do they ever talk about Israel Palestine on on The Sopranos? Yeah, well, you there's a character Hesh. Hesh uh, yeah. is uh, he's like the uh, the only Jewish character on the show who's not a therapist, um, <laughs> and uh, he uh, yeah he occasionally will just mention like oh sorry I was just watching. Uh, CNN, that damn Hezbollah. It's very really? funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that's I love hilarious. It. Um, if you haven't already liked the stream right now, give them a little thumbs up and share it on your own like mm -hmm. YouTube timeline. That super helps. Thank you, Gabby, for the super chat. You're the best. Um, we are a perfect couple. That's so true. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. But it's not just us talking. We are going to be joined by human rights attorney uh, Noura Erekat, who's been writing and thinking about this issue for so long and advocating um on behalf of Palestinian human rights, mm -hmm. she uh, she started the along with many others this um, website called Jadalia, which is wonderful and has great Middle East analysis. So um, for all y'all um, to to stay tuned, she's currently on the streets of D.C. marching and protesting right now. Um, she's kind of badass. <laughs> she is a total badass. I'm so glad she's joining us. So you know, save some of those questions. But I feel like we're gonna get deep into this i have questions about whether right now this war um and this violence feels different whether it feels like either because of the response the international outrage and outcry um people speaking out in congress in the united states congress about yeah. it is that new late night shows finally starting to talk about it it's crazy. exactly john oliver talking about we'll it get like, into that in a second for sure so there will be um you know, we're going to go deep. Like we, I've said before on this podcast, we've covered, you know, Israel, Palestine and Zionism a lot. This is not the place to do a 101 about your knowledge. But I would encourage you to check out, for example, uh, Middle East uh, Children's Alliance. Mecca is a wonderful place. Uh, Marib, Middle East. Um, uh, uh, hang on. Let me look at what. Let me. Arab. Hang on, let me let much. me put down some of these resources. There are a lot of really good primers, and I will link to those primers in the description of this episode, mm -hmm. um, so that you guys can all like uh, have resources that that we all need. Uh, Middle East Research and Information Project is Merip. That's M E R I P dot org. When I was becoming uh, they say woke these days. We used to say politicized around the issue of Palestine. Um, Marip was so helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And that was back in, you know, the year 2000, 2001. And I figured we could just sort of initially talk about how, Matt, you and I got uh, politicized around Palestine. And then sure. kind of, uh, you know, I have a special guest other than Nora oh. who just wanted to ask you some basic questions. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd um, love a special guest. I love a surprise. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. So for 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 me just briefly like i became politicized around the invasion of iraq and afghanistan and um you know immediately when you talk about occupation you, there are people who are like yes in the occupation of palestine and so i i started learning started going to teach-ins i also um also had an incredible professor named timothy mitchell at nyu who ran, who did this entire course that was like just mind blowing when it comes to, I mean, we talked about everything from the Iraq Iran war to, uh, to, um, Iraq itself to, uh, to like, what are the other, to like Lebanon and that history to, you know, uh, Israel, Palestine. And that was sort of like the big thing. And the main, the main conclusion that when you learn the basics of this 
that you come to that mainstream media never wants to focus on mm -hmm. uh, is that this is not about religion. And this is not about a people who just hate each other. Right. Yeah. Um, There's a myth, I think, in general of the, oh, these two people, these two groups of people have hated each other for thousands of years. Not a thing. Yeah. Not at all a thing. The idea that like they there's an exceptionalism to this conflict over other conflicts that you've seen that are similar occupational conflicts, apartheid conflicts like, oh, no, this is exceptional. Right. Total, total fucking myth. Right. 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 And then the other thing is, I think, undeniably, when you see a map and you understand the history of everything, um, not you understand the history, but when you see a map of like how. Palestinian territory has become smaller and smaller and smaller and has become more encroached upon. And like people really like to make it super academic. And like it's sometimes like very I've seen I've seen Israel Palestine described at a teach in so horribly. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah. oh, God, I, I once this is um, this was I'm not going to name names, but uh, part of the like Students for Justice in Palestine. And we were doing a teach in and one of the one of our reps because we names. were like, no, no, no. Well, <laughs> we were really trying to like sell it and be right, like, yes, right, this right. is an accessible issue. Yeah. And he said um, he said the phrase and I'm never going to forget it. He said when he's talking about Palestinian land in the West Bank, he was like, it is bifurcated into different cantons, which is very <laughs> accessible like, language. I was like, Oh, I love you so much, but like bifurcated into different cantons is the most yeah. unrelatable Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah, could be Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese. Just... I'm not really sure what a canton is, uh, <laughs> other than like my favorite restaurant was called K and A Canton. It was this Cantonese place so uh, funny. on National. So maybe he's talking about it's like Canton. It's, it's bifurcated. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the region of Canton. Yeah, they're in, talking. In China. Yeah, they're definitely talking about like can't like either the language or the delicious food that I had at that place <laughs> on National. No, but it basically means right that like small communities are divided and separated from one another in the West Bank, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously to the west of Israel versus to the east. Right, right, or, right. Excuse me, to the east of Israel. Whereas yeah, it's the, the West Bank of the Jordan River. West Bank of the Jordan River. Very confusing. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's where the settlements are. And and when I talk about the map and how, how it really doesn't lie, like no matter what you learn about which accord happened when and what agreement and this and that. Yeah. Like the land has never been the same. It always has had more and more Israeli settlements on it mm -hmm. and more and more militarized. Right. And that is what really kicked off this latest round was East Jerusalem, which there are 28 families living in Sheikh Jarrah mm -hmm. and they're fighting to stay there. And there is there are Israelis who have uh court cases claiming that that land even though these palestinian families have lived there for decades some of them twice displaced yeah. right um from 1948 which was the creation of the jewish state mm -hmm. um a creation of Isra israel uh, or 1967 sort of the arab israeli war mm -hmm. that like the the israelis who are now claiming and the settlers who are claiming their territory like that's my house is from like the Ottoman Empire, right? Like right, right, right. from way long ago. It's like someone saying, it's like someone claiming, and, and this is like, I can't even think of a corollary mm -hmm. in the US. Right. I'm trying to think, but like in 
we I don't we don't even have that. I mean, in some ways, I'm like, it would it be like indigenous people reclaiming their own land on well, my own? But like, no. So that's that's but that's kind not of, doesn't work, right? That uh, although that is what I think uh, a lot of super pro Israel, uh, you know, right wing Zionists will claim they'll uh, they'll <laughs> they'll claim they're indigenous. They'll claim indigenous rights uh, to a region um, despite uh, having the actual. Uh, indigenous population aka the people who lived there and got their houses stolen in uh, 1948 49 uh being the people that you would more naturally claim as indigenous because you'd right. be like you know this idea of like who got here first is another um means to confuse the moral issues that yeah. are happening in the present yeah and so you know, the fact is, is they use this old law in order to kind of claim uh, ownership of this land and then evict the Palestinian uh, Arab tenants. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't it, it like like if you're like, and oh, it's I'm... one of a couple laws because there's another one that's like, right. which is like, oh, you're living on a archaeological. Right. Um, there's a lot of these historic laws. place. Ergo, yeah. we need to displace you right. so we can preserve this land. You're going to get we need to rip up your olive trees. Yeah. Right. To preserve like what? So you're, you're going to get, I think, a lot of um, more succinct uh, and better kind of coverage of what's happening in Sheikh Jarrah. Um, you know, somewhere you can read it anywhere. The point is, I think th this is the mo most important point is that like, this is not something that is existing in a vacuum where it's like, oh, you know, this uh, evictions are happening and people are good, just going crazy. I don't know what's going on. This is just one of many actions that have been happening uh, for decades now uh, since the creation of the state of Israel. Um, so it's important not to be like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like I know enough about what's happening, uh, in, you know, this particular eviction case. I need to know these details you can, you can educate yourself on them. Right. But to me, I'm like, this is just another pat. It's just part of the pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's important to realize this is a pattern of like, you know, uh, occupier behavior, apartheid behavior that people I think are just fed up with. Well, so that, you know, I can hear him and that really just the language that you use mm -hmm. of occupation and apartheid. Yeah. Strong language is upsetting to some liberals who feel like, look, Jews have been historically persecuted mm -hmm. throughout the world, which especially Europe, which mm -hmm. is true. We're obviously the Holocaust and mm -hmm. that that having a safe place supposedly mm -hmm. for the Jewish people is a righteous cause, right? Sure. And that's inherent. So what are you saying? And so right. I have heard that from people, but I've also heard, I've specifically heard it from people like Ziggy. And right. Ziggy is going to make an appearance. Uh, Ziggy is a friend of the pod oh. who's been contacting me and wanted to talk with you, Matt. Oh, is it Ziggy the liberal Zionist? It's Ziggy the liberal Zionist. Oh, hey. Hi, Matt. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble for this one. Hey, Are Ziggy. we? Well, last time I was Chrissy the coup plotter, but I, I came to my senses. Oh, and now and now you're just uh, kind of uh, blindly supporting the Israeli government. Well, you know, I'm against occupation. Sure. Good. I'm against the occupation of Palace, of, 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 of Iraq. Uh, okay. And uh, against the invasion of Afghanistan. Oh, okay. So it seems like we have a lot in common. Ziggy. Yeah. But, but not this. 
So this mm-hmm. this is where I draw the line. Oh, interesting. Because Israel has a right to exist. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, that's uh that's an interesting statement. You believe yeah. so Because I'm a good person. Well, yes. I and know. I'm a Jew. Yeah, you So you can't careful what you say to me. No, okay. So I'm also Jewish, so I feel like we can have an honest conversation in good faith, isn't that right? Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to try together to work this out. Okay. All right. This is like therapy. So why do you hate yourself? <laughs> I don't hate myself. Uh, well, that's not true. I mean, there are plenty of reasons why I hate myself, but true. I talk about that with my therapy. I don't hate myself as a Jew or as an activist, although that is something that a lot of people, I think, say when a Jewish person, uh, specifically an American Jewish person or a non-Israeli Jewish person, say that they have uh, big problems with the Israeli government and with Israeli apartheid. Well, so, oh, oh, I, you just you just use the A I, word. Yeah, I did. You just use the A word. Yes, yes. So, but, th- but why apartheid happened in South Africa and mm-hmm. and the, 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 this is totally different. This is, so, they, they want, mm-hmm. Israel is trying to protect uh, pa- Palestine so that they can be two states. They can live over there mm-hmm. and we can live over there and mm-hmm. they just, you know, d- d- we, we, we can just live in peace. Totally. So, um, so the answer to that is um, both Betasellum uh, and uh, Human Rights Watch. Did you just say bitter celery? I said bitter celery, which is an Israeli uh, human rights uh, organization, and Human Rights Watch, an international human rights organization, have both recently, in the last few months, uh, unequivocally declared. Israel to be committing uh, apartheid and being hmm. uh, an apartheid state. So it's not me saying it anymore. It's now more the international community that is saying it. So, okay. so I know that sounds uh, kind of harsh, but if you consider that the, <laughs> are you all right? You're doing good, Ziggy? I'm just trying to get find my light. Oh, you found your light. You look okay, great. There we go. Thanks. Um, So Ziggy. Yeah. You, you, I understand that you are against things like the invasion of Iraq and yes. the occupation yes. of Iraq. Black, and Black Lives Matter. Okay. You also agree with Black Lives yes. Matter? Okay. What? Well, what if I were to tell you that um, similar atrocities uh, that have taken place, let's say, in the, in the streets of uh, the United States against Black people in the United States, uh, atrocities committed by police, yes. and uh, atrocities like the war in Iraq, uh, and endless occupation of Afghanistan. What if I were to tell you that was also happening in Israel and in the occupied territories and in Gaza? Uh, mm. Well, that, um, but that's for self-defense. Yeah. So here's the thing about self-defense. Um, so uh, the Palestinians uh, don't have an army. They don't have a government. They uh-huh. don't have planes. They don't have tanks. They, uh, you know what they have is they have uh, one of the most densely populated areas in the entire world, Gaza, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that is 43% children. Uh, and they have, uh, they do have some rockets. And it's true that you can go, hey, I condemn rocket attacks. But do you also condemn the completely unfair amount of death that is happening to the Palestinian children. I didn't realize there was no army. Yeah, there's no army. Hamas doesn't have an army? No, Hamas does not have an army. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
Hamas is a political group that was born in 1987, propped up actually by the Israelis uh, as a way to fight the previous group called Fatah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. They Israel supported Hamas? They Why would did. they do that? Well, because they didn't like Fatah, because Fatah was, you know, the Palestinian group. It was the uh, Palestinian kind of governmental authority beyond the, you know, Palestinian authority, which was created later. Um, but so they basically tried to do a thing where, you know... Uh, like pit people against each other? Yeah, uh, in order to kind of like... Uh, pick sides. Yeah, pick sides and split people based on uh, political actions and also kind of create an environment in which the most extreme voices uh were the ones who uh got the most uh you know support wow that that seems uh-huh. machiavellian well you know uh i think it's what it is is uh it's a classic political tactic uh done by people who are in power especially. the united states did that in iraq yes it they did. pit uh the Sunni Shi- Sunnis against Shia. Mm-hmm, that's right. And then pick sides and mm-hmm. then watch them fight. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, that's kind of a common tactic. We all we all do it, Ziggy. Um, and uh, I I understand that it's very hard for you. I mean, you and I we went to the same Hebrew school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you go on birthright? I did go on birthright. <gasps> yeah. And you still think this way? Well, so what happened to me, Ziggy, is while I was there on birthright, uh, I wanted to see for myself what everything looked like. And yeah. what I saw was uh, a pretty carefully curated uh, propaganda trip in which uh, it ended with a big kind of like festival at an arena Ooh. where Benjamin Netanyahu showed up and wow. told us all welcome home. And uh, that was probably the weirdest experience I've ever had in my Did life. Did you get autograph? I didn't get an autograph. I didn't. I, I tried to, but uh, I, you know, there was a, he has a lot of security. Now, did you also go to the uh, occupied territories? Was that no, part that, of the trip? That was not allowed. We, we were allowed to walk into a specific route of East Jerusalem that uh, just like a very specific, like follow this line. Yeah. Yeah. Which was very, uh, once again, very carefully curated. Um, and there was one day in which they allowed us to ask questions about the occupation and uh, most of the time was spent uh, telling us uh, that it was not that bad. Now, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Right now, as a Jew, yes. as an American Jew, mm-hmm. could you, could we move to Israel? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an important note, actually, is that okay. as an American Jew, someone who uh, my family, uh, you know, we came from European Jews. So yeah. uh, we're talking Ukrainians, Lith- Lithuanians, Russians um, for... Uh, thousands of years for a long 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 time yeah i'm estonian yeah you're estonian yeah as you know nearby uh-huh, right there and uh yet i actually have more of a right uh to be an israeli citizen than people who uh have lived there for hundreds and hundreds of years so if you're a palestinian right now you cannot go move to israel no, <laughs> no, you oh. can't. There's a thing uh, called right of return, which a lot of refugees want as a part of a possible future uh, peace deal in which they, as refugees, have a right to go back to the land that was taken from them, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I hope everyone is learning a lot. Yeah. Because this, you know, we really committed to this bit. <laughs> we really And do. Matt Lieb is doing a great job. I think I'm doing a great job. And I have no more questions right now. You got none? 
Well, are you going to uh, join me in am, condemning the Israeli government? Well, or? I don't know. Are there other Jews who condemn the Israeli government? There's actually a lot. There's a lot of Jews. Yeah, but do they over, live in Israel? Yes, there are that oh. once again, but is an uh, uh, an Israeli human rights group and they themselves are like we live in an apartheid state. So, uh, you know, if people tell you, oh, all the people who talk about, you know, about Israel and criticize it, they're all anti-Semites. They're not. You might consider the fact that a lot of uh, Israelis and uh, Jews around the world all feel the same way. But how can I be Jewish mm -hmm. and anti-Zionist? You can do it really easily. Actually, Jews have been doing that uh, for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Really? Uh, well, for at least uh, ever since the idea of Zionism, political Zionism came forward. The majority of Jews were against this idea. There uh -huh. was not. It was. Uh, it was not something that people. No one wanted to uproot their lives in this idea of like a colonial uh, conquest of this land that most Jews felt they had no real connection to, other than like stories and and whatnot. So yeah. Okay. Now, what are your thoughts on the future? Like, just be. If I am an anti-Zionist, if I say mm -hmm. this is bad, mm -hmm. this is colonialism. Sure. But then, then, but does that mean I don't believe that Jews have a right to stay in Israel? No, that's not what that means. Okay, at all. good, because that's scary. No, yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big issue with a lot of liberal Zionists. Is they immediately when they hear criticisms of the Israeli government, they immediately think, oh, well, what about you know Israel's right to exist, and you know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, if we start supporting this, then Israel will no longer be a state. Right, and right. what happens next? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say right now, uh, that's not something that is in the cards at all, because whether or not you believe Israel has the right to exist, Israel does exist. It right. is around and it is in power. Right. And it is committing mass atrocities yeah it is committing apartheid which we're all against it's uh it's committing you know it's doing occupation which we're all against it is committing war crimes which we're all against we're, it's all these moral things that you and i agree with yeah. Biggie, but you have to apply it fairly to what's happening with the israeli government and, wow. the, and the and the palestinians maybe from now on i will be ziggy anti-zionist all right well you know baby steps maybe you can start with non-zionist a lot of people do that i don't we can be non-zionist i don't know what it totally i think it means like uh i'm an anti-zionist but i don't want to talk about it that much sure uh, sure yeah. i mean i won't put it on a resume i mean oh, i no, still no. want to be employed in this town yeah, yeah but yeah. obviously with this bit francesca will not be <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, thank you very much ziggy thank you ziggy for showing up Oh boy. You're going to be a great dad. I think I will be. Oh, that's adorable. You guys, um wasn't that a great bit? <laughs> don't ask people whether or not it was a great bit. No, no. You don't have to like the bit. The point is You could hate the bit. We no, did it. It's bonus. This is bonus the, the content. The point is too late now. No, mm -hmm. um yeah, it's it is a really interesting thing. I remember when like there are people who uh -huh. um there are people who are like, well, first I have to read everything yes. and then I can make up my mind. Yes. And I think the answer is please read for sure. Yes, educate but you don't yourself. have to read Absolutely. everything. And I just want to just go over some of the stuff that's been happening mm -hmm. now. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Israel has been bombarding Gaza with, uh, with airstrikes relentlessly. I don't think they've allowed humanitarian aid workers to get in, but not only that, Yesterday, 
they bombed the only COVID testing center that Gaza has, mm -hmm. like leveled this place or not leveled it, but like completely destroyed this place. Yeah, they bombed it. Yeah. They bombed it. Um, so when we say things like Israel is targeting civilians, emergency workers, and journalists, that is not a stretch of the imagination. All of those things mm -hmm. to target a civilian, to target a journalist, and to target emergency workers, those are war crimes. Yeah, those are straight actual, up. actual war crimes. Now, I know for those of us who don't like war anyway, we're like, what the hell does it right. mean? To, what's fair war yeah. and oh, what's no, not fair war? Oh, no, the war police. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yet, it's, it is very real and it exists. And, and there are many, many photos of like, you know, ambulances that have bomb, like completely roofless, like a, mm -hmm. just an, a bomb went right through the roof of it. So Israel knows where everything is in Gaza backwards and forwards. Yeah, it is. It's it, an, it knows where everything it's is. It's an open air prison and the, it is constantly being monitored by IDF intelligence forces yeah. and different uh, intelligence um, uh, divisions within the Israeli government. I mean, this place is monitor to the hilt yep. the idea that they um you know are accidentally causing the death of you know children oh we don't mean to do it when you bomb one of the most densely populated areas in the world that's 43 percent children yeah you're going to kill people which you're is going the, to which kill is the other, children and they do which it is the other part them. about you know israel or Israel saying that Hamas uses human uses shields. human shields is so so callous and cruel, it, incredibly because, cynical. Uh, and because basically Gaza is a is children like it's a young population mm -hmm. and it is dense. Once again, the densest population in the world. So like the most people per square whatever foot. square foot exactly like. Yeah. And and super super young and something like sixty or sixty five percent unemployment. It is literally shooting fish in the barrel except they are mm -hmm. human beings yes they are they are children they are journalists they are medical workers they mm -hmm. are people um and one of those people um and this is not in gaza this is in the west bank because mind you a lot of the violence is continuing within the west bank what is different now is that there are there are palestinians or or, or arab israelis who live with inside of israel um and they are starting to protest in solidarity with they, the people of the West been. Bank. They have been, but yeah. but this feels it seems like there's a there's even more sure. activity. Sure. Um but I want to talk to Noura a little bit about what is life like for mm -hmm. those Arab Israelis inside. But this is from a a friend and journalist Matthew Castle who um posted this on Instagram. He has been reporting on the Middle East for a long time and he did some work reporting um, from the West Bank and there was a gentleman, a young man named Obaida Jawabre, Jawabre mm -hmm. and he writes, yesterday I learned that Ob Obaida Jawabwe, who I met two years ago when he was just 15, was killed by an Israeli soldier's bullet mm. to the heart. Oh, boy. This is not the first time I've heard of Israeli like bullets to the heart, mm -hmm. straight up in your chest. Obaida was so curious. I was supposed to be the one conducting the interview, but he spent our few days together asking me more questions than I asked him. He wanted to become a chef, but surrounded in every, literally every direction by the Israeli military checkpoints and settlements, even chasing a simple dream like that was going to be a struggle. My heart goes out to his family, especially to his dear father, Akram, who would send me the sweetest messages on holidays long after our meeting. He loved his son and wanted nothing more than to watch him grow up away from the occupation. Um, 
anyway, so there's a photo of this kid who's 15 and I wanted to show the video, but I didn't have time to gather it, but it's like incredibly sad these. And, and, and the other thing is like, this kid wasn't making a rocket. This kid was at most throwing a rock, not yeah. a rocket at most protesting, but yeah. Protesting we, an occupation, which is, I mean, I, I think we can all agree and including Zionists can agree um, that you are allowed to resist your oppressor, yeah. you know, like, and, and well, this is the big question is people are finally asking, which you could never really ask before. Like, do Palestinians mm -hmm. have a right to defend themselves? Right. Because if there's one group that needs a little bit of defense, yeah. let me just be real. Yeah. It's the group of people that don't have one of the most advanced militaries in the goddamn world. Fighting like, them. Yeah. Fighting them. Yeah. Like raining death upon them. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have a right to defend themselves? Do they, do or is have, that not? Do they have the right to exist? It. Does Palestine have the right to exist? More so. The, this framing of the right to exist, of states having the right to exist, first of all, states don't have rights uh, to exist or, or not. Like people, people have the right to exist. People have the right to live uh, with liberty and live freely uh, and not be constantly under threat of uh, being murdered by the state. This idea that like we put states over people is completely ridiculous and why I'm you know not a... A statist um but well, that's and that's but also beyond that the uh this if you're someone who's like well yeah states have a right to exist blah 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 i think we have all agreed since uh the ending of apartheid south africa apartheid states do not have the right to exist they don't have the right to exist as apartheid states south africa stopped doing apartheid south africa still exists this right. idea of like uh if they're not allowed to have this occupation if they're not allowed to fulfill the Zionist project of uh, the complete ethnic cleansing of the land and the complete annexation and taking over of the land. Well, without that, there's no Israel. You're going to have to reframe, you know, your thinking here, buddy, because uh, that's just not how it works. You know, it's no one has the right to do what they're doing in Israel. Yeah. And I think that apartheid question is really, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other representatives in Congress have been, you know, sort of apartheid states are not democracies. Mm -hmm. Pass it on kind of thing on yeah. Twitter. And I was talking about this on the damage report the other day about how Israel really it isn't it isn't apartheid because in theory, they say that there are two states when in actuality, in the map, on the ground, right. when it comes to freedom of movement, when it comes to autonomy, when it comes to having sovereignty of your own land, mm -hmm. water, skies, yeah. borders, there is no Palestinian state. There no. isn't. I mean, I think and I think at one point in this long history, there was more of a hope that there could be a state of Palestine because there weren't as many settlements because there wasn't as much militarization. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you most experts and I'm curious, I'm sure what Nora is going to say, but I think most experts looking at it are going to say having a Palestinian state at this point is not feasible on yeah. this land unless and it's not. And, and is it OK to call a state something that is non-contiguous, meaning mm -hmm. I can't go from California to Nevada without going through, you know, 
a Canadian checkpoint, is that a, is that a country? Do I have a country anymore? Right. Um, so I think it's like, it is apartheid, but it's almost apartheid plus it's like apartheid mm -hmm. without any of the, and, and it's, it's not good, but without any of the veneer of this is a, a country that also has to take care of its people because right. the Israeli government has no obligation and they sure as hell show that but, they yeah. feel they have no obligation to take care of the Palestinian people. The only people who've been vaccinated in the pandemic are any Palestinians that have to go into Israel to work. Mm -hmm. That's it. Otherwise, there's been no agreement. There's been no rollout plan. There's been no effort to mm -hmm. help the Palestinian people mm -hmm. with get the vaccine from the Israeli side. So it's almost this like like, again, it's the have the cake and eat it too. It's apartheid, but apartheid plus because you've got, you're like, but you're your own country right, that exactly. we totally control. Right, yeah, this, I, I love the constant uh, fallback of like, it's not apartheid because they're their own thing. And it's like, no, they are not their own state. They, they, you, you have propped up the Palestinian Authority uh, as this toothless organization that has no real political uh, power, has no military power, has no power to stop the the occupation. Yeah, you. This is one state. Whether or not you call it one state is irrelevant. To and the me. other thing about apartheid, right, is that it's a language that mm -hmm. Israeli prime ministers have talked about, have used you, exactly. You've got. I, I think it was like uh, Shimon Peres and maybe like Ehud Barak. Uh, I mean. Itzhak Rabin talked about it. I mean, they, they all said this occupation is, if it's not now, it's going to be apartheid. Yeah, you know, and and so you you have to uh, you you have to stop trying to police yourself or letting other people police you uh, into being like, well, I have to be very careful with my language here. I have to be I have to be certain that it's uh, exact. Right. You know, this exact one to one thing. And it's like Israelis say this. Israelis say this as well. There, yeah. there, there's a huge population of people in Israel who know what's going on. Some of them uh, are actively fighting against it. And some of them, they don't care. They realize it's an apartheid state and they think that is part of the project. They're like, yes, we have to do this. You know, it's and it's, that I think that's more and more the, that's the scariest thing. Yeah. To me, that's the scariest thing ever. And and I'm. You know, I want to get more Israelis on the show as well to talk about this from their perspective. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Israelis who are very critical of their own government. Mm -hmm. um, but we've seen the videos, right? Mm -hmm. You hear, you hear these interviews, and you see the ways that Israeli settlers behave, and it is frightening. It yeah. is deathly. It is. It is like. I mean, I, I called it on, I wrote about it on Instagram. I was like, this is like Israeli settlers kind of feel like, like militarized, um, uh, gentrifiers, but mm -hmm. like, imagine if a religious cult yeah. gentrified your neighborhood mm -hmm. and wanted to kick you out. Like, that's yeah. what it feels like because, and we know, look, gentrifiers everywhere, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you not know, us. not, not, a, no, <laughs> no, but like, look, there is a certain there is a certain cavalierness about people who will live on the front lines of a gentrified neighborhood. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, I, I'm okay. This is not across the board. What I'm saying is the people who move into settlements, the people who go in Israel mm -hmm. are the most fervent, mm -hmm. the most committed. And now 
are openly wielding weapons. You guys watch the videos, wielding weapons out on the streets, policing their own neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like insane vigilantism. You know, we thought the McCloskeys during mm -hmm. the BLM demonstrations were funny or bad. This yeah. is like no, this that is times a million. Yeah, no, the West Bank is filled with McCloskeys. It, <laughs> yeah. it really is. Like, like we, we saw those pictures of those people in front of their houses with their stupid looking guns and their fucking polo shirts and their you know beer bellies yeah and we're like look at these fucking idiots and we laughed and we thought it was really funny that shit is is everywhere in the west bank that the that is who uh the settlers are they are people who are number one incredibly racist incredible like it is a racist society yeah. and, and and that's the thing when i say that i'm not someone who's like doesn't look at my own society and go like uh it's it's no, no we're not racist america is an incredibly racist society i know racist societies i live in one and these guys are incredibly racist and, and there's I, I a show on say, hbo yeah. called the uh called our boys okay it was made uh with i think both palestinians and israelis uh together made it and i think it to me it was like the one of the best uh, encapsulations of the racist society that Israelis live in and kind of the the issues that come that arise from living in a racist society and the the cycle of violence and murder that happens. It's really it's I think it that that is a really, really hard concept yeah. for a lot of people to get their minds around who don't know Israeli society. Right. It is different. Have never lived there and who feel very like me, like I feel terrible saying that, you know, a Jewish society, mm -hmm. it's, which it isn't, but it's, it's a Zionist it's a, society, a Zionist society <laughs> is racist. It feels like I'm saying like, Jew like Jews are racist, which, by the way, can happen. Obviously, oh, yeah. And does happen. Oh, yeah. But it does feel like, well, how can that be? You know, this is a this right, is a given people the history, who, given the history. Right. And yet when you see the way that that Israelis, uh, especially, you know, on the right. But even like so-called liberal Israelis talk about the Palestinian people, the air of ethnic and religious mm -hmm. and racial superiority, and even the treatment, of course, of non-Sephardic Jews, right? Mm -hmm. Of um, uh, of Sephardic Jews, of, of Sephardic of Jews, non-Ashkenazi non Jews, of yeah. Sephardic Jews, and of Arab Israelis within mm -hmm. um, within yeah. Israel, Mizrahi like, Jews, the way the way Middle Eastern Jews, Sephardic Jews, and Ashkenazi Jews, which are the European Jews, are treated um, in uh, Israel also mirrors a lot of uh, our society here. Yeah, sorry, I got all the terms wrong, of course. And and oh, not no, to you mention, you know, like whenever there are immigrants, so there are, I think, a Somali immigrant, oh, yeah. Ethiopian immigrants yeah, yeah, yeah. who have come to Somal Israel. Somali Jews who had to, uh, I mean, really had to twist arms in order to even get immigration status as Jews, even though it is purportedly a country that is open to all Jews. Well, if your Jews are African, they're going to have some 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 problems and you know there was even you know there were uh there were jewish black panthers you know israeli black panthers that uh, existed um and i think for the most part still do exist to some extent mm -hmm. that were made up of sephardic and mizrahi jews who saw that they were treated differently um in in israel yeah. uh, you know so like you can't do a one-to-one -one comparison with Israeli racism and American racism. It's not the same society. It's not the same thing. It's going to be confusing to, I think, 
the your regular American. Sure. Um, but but I but no I will mistake. say that there's there's you know there's all these myths about mm-hmm. Palestinians and Arabs and mm-hmm. Muslims and and it, it is it more and more and we haven't even talked about right wing the right in Israel. Um, yeah. By the way, if you're just joining us, this is a bonus episode of the Habituation Room Podcast. I'm Francesca Fiorentini. That's Matt Lieb. And we're waiting on uh, Palestinian human rights attorney, Nora Erekat. She might join us. She might be mired in protesting and, mm-hmm. and um, other live hits like CNN where she's got to school people. Um, mm-hmm. But we wanted to get the ball rolling. And I was going to say um, that one of the myths, I remember one of my classes, a woman stand, stands up, a young girl, and she was like, but... Palestinians teach their children to hate Jews. And you're like, what do you, yeah, there's like cartoons and they watch like evil cartoons and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, why? And and this is a myth that you constantly hear. Palestinians teach their kids to hate Jews. Palestinians, and it's constant, constant, constant. And you're like, why, what, where does that even come from? And mm-hmm. then you see some footage coming out of Israel mm-hmm. and you hear the way that some Israelis speak about Muslims and Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And my God, it feels like the most massive projection to mm-hmm. say that Palestinians teach their kids to hate Jews because I've seen the videos, y'all. We, we, I don't, I did not have the time to do the production work to, to dig this up for you guys. But chil- Israeli children writing on missiles, writing on the missiles that they drop on Gaza, mm-hmm. straight up writing, like essentially, like I bye, mean, it's this indoctrination. Is good, you need to die, like it's indoctrination, it's indo- and, and it's and it makes sense because look, if you grow up and you're like, look. There's a boogeyman out there who's firing uh, rockets. Mm-hmm. Sure, a lot of them don't hit their target, and we've got like massive yeah. defense against them. And, and, but they do kill Israelis. Mm-hmm. No one is denying that Hamas has rockets that do kill Israelis. There's a boogeyman out there mm-hmm. from the sky. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen, but they hate us. Be very afraid. Yeah, it is like so compelling. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening. Meanwhile, it's a, just a boogeyman. I.e., nine times out of ten, doesn't exist. You don't see it. Right. Whereas Palestinians boogeyman is every goddamn day, every day, every day, controlling their movements, controlling, you know, where, where they're allowed to go, where they're allowed to work, what water they're allowed to drink. They know right? they've where been they arrested by the boogeyman what multiple can... times. Their, their cousin has got killed by it. Their yeah. dad was arrested. Yeah. Their, you know, mom wasn't able to give birth because their, her ambulance didn't get to the hospital in time. Cause mm-hmm. it had to go through a checkpoint. Like in the minds and lives of Palestinians, mm-hmm. it's every day. Whereas which is physically scarier. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being utilized as a tool Mm -hmm. for propaganda, the invisible boogeyman Mm -hmm. or the one that you sort of see is far more effective when it comes to controlling a population like the Israeli population, when Mm -hmm. it comes to convincing people to vote for you, Mm -hmm. when it comes to convincing people that... No, there's no other way to deal with the Arab population other than this. Oh, mm-hmm. of course we have. This is our, you know, and and so let let us never forget the bad faith ways, the cynical and fucked up ways that the Israeli right weaponizes Jewish identity, Jewish pain, mm-hmm. Jewish history yeah. to do the same thing to mm-hmm. Palestinians. And it makes me so fucking mad yeah. because... It is, it, I, you know, that's not okay for, for Jews to feel like this is their only fate. That's yeah. not okay. And uh, I'm getting emotional. You are. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're so sweet. No, no, no. I, 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 just, I feel you. I feel you. I, and like, 
personally, uh, for me, it's one of the reasons that I speak out on this, despite the fact that um, it can, you know, it can have an effect. It can have an effect, you know, on you, uh, like, ment like mental health wise, career wise. I mean, it is not a safe subject. Mark Lamont Hill lost his job at CNN because he spoke to what it was like a the UN or something and said from the river to the sea yeah Palestine will be free yeah uh, there's always first of all by the way there's words you can and cannot say right, everyone tons. I'm sure there's people in the comments who are like well I liked when you said that but I didn't like but when I didn't you said like when that you said that and and I think uh, it's important to uh it's important to talk about the fact that the tone policing around criticisms of Israel uh is a tactic that is used by uh Zionists and the Israel lobby and their supporters um yeah in order to completely stop people from making a firm strong statement against these atrocities yeah. it, it it leaves you uh, only with the most toothless platitudes to talk about stuff. Um, and I actually, um, I don't know if, if you want to do this, but I actually have a guide. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote a guide. It's so hard. Um, it's, it's so, just so you know, some background. Yes. Like I said, it's very, very hard to talk about uh, Israel and criticize Israel uh, without. We should just play your Newsberg video. No, no, no. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go, go, go. Uh, without having a uh, a bad faith smear of anti-Semitism. That's not to say that there aren't anti-Semites who are anti-Zionists. That does exist. You see that with, like, David Duke and whatnot. Um, but the idea that, like, you know, that uh, is the most, the thing that permeates, like, uh, anti-Zionists or, or, you know, criticisms of Israel is total BS. I mean, fucking, it's it's ridiculous to to base that on fucking, you know, David Duke's weird pale ass. Um, Hang on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I actually invented a guide that it can be very, very helpful for people who want to criticize Israel but want to be absolutely sure that they have the right language around it. Um, and, uh, and I have it. And this takes into account everything, all of the tropes, all of the words that are, you know, scary and uh, that could be misconstrued by people. Uh, and, you know, this way, if, by giving you this guide, I can help you make your statements about Israel. Yeah, here so, we go. This is the right way to talk about Israel. Okay. <clears throat> First of all, don't. Don't talk about money when talking about Israel. You can criticize the Israel lobby all you want. Just don't mention that they use money to do lobbying. That's simple. Very easy to do. Who needs to talk about money when you're talking about lobbying? All right. Don't mention the Palestinians or the occupation. Mm, no. Talk, talk eh. about talk about other problems in Israel, like how like how there's a lot of stray cats. Uh, or how bad the traffic is. Like those are, you want to criticize Israel? Talk about that stuff. And, and listen, if you must align yourself with the Palestinian cause, only support nonviolent Palestinian movements. Don't support the BDS movement, all right? Eh. Sure, it, it may seem like a boycott is nonviolent, but watching Sabra Hummus expire in supermarkets is literally violence, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's it's terrorism. It's terrorism. 
to not buy Israeli products. All right, don't overstate the case. Don't call Israel an apartheid state because apartheid only ever happened in South Africa. If you're looking for a word to describe when a group doesn't have equal rights based on ethnicity or religion, try kerfuffle. It's a great word. Very safe word. Very safe word. Everyone understands it and there's no history behind it that'll make people feel weird. Um, and also don't throw around the word genocide. All right, next one. Don't support a one state solution. Israelis and Palestinians living together as equal citizens would mean that the population of the new state might eventually have an Arab majority uh, and a majority of Muslims, and that's literally genocide. Okay, also, don't support a two-state solution. In fact, don't support a solution. Like, <laughs> like, who are you to think that you have all the answers? We support the conflict. Yeah, support. you know, support the conflict. Don't support a solution. Um... <laughs> Here's another one. Don't conflate Israel with all Jews. That's a simple one. Unless you support Israel, in which case, go off king. Uh, don't be Palestinian. Uh, don't be Arab. Don't be black. And don't be Muslim. All of these groups of people are racist against Jews. Uh, and trust me, I know a thing or two about racism. I just said something racist. Uh, and... Let me just get to the end here. This is, uh, these are the most important ones. All right. <clears throat> Don't be an anti-Zionist. There are many definitions of Zionism. The nice one and the one that's actually happening. And, <laughs> and while you may be against what's actually happening in Israel, saying you're anti-Zionist implies you are against the nice version. Just call yourself a liberal Zionist. Don't be a liberal Zionist. Liberal Zionists, uh, liberals are basically leftists, which are basically socialists, which are basically communists. And Stalin hated Jews, so liberals hate Jews. That's how that works. Um, and I know I just said that you could call yourself a liberal Zionist, uh, but just to be safe, don't just call yourself a Zionist. And finally, don't criticize Israel. Just don't. That way the right will never accuse you of anti-Semitism. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I think that's all good advice. That was great advice. That's, you know, if you don't want to be called an anti-Semite, just shut your fucking mouth <laughs> and let atrocities happen. Can you said my favorite part of that whole thing is that you said that you just said something racist and mm -hmm. it was around conflating Zionism and Jews. Right. And well, Israel and Jews. Well, yeah. What I was saying was uh, that um all uh, Palestinians, uh, black people, uh, Arabs, Muslims are all racist against Jews. Right. Which is an incredibly racist statement. And, and it's this idea that like all these people are automatically bigoted against Jews. It's yes. something we do a lot in the United States vis-a-vis uh, -vis black people. We always this is one of the reasons why it's, it's often unsafe for uh, black activists specifically to talk about Israel because right. they will be punished much harder than white or uh, white Jewish activists. Absolutely. I mean, Ilhan Omar will absolutely be targeted 10 times oh, harder. She's a Muslim and she's black. Like yeah. that alone, like immediately people uh, started uh, this campaign against her as an anti-Semite. And, and again, it was around word policing. It was yeah. around like she, t she said, it's all about the Benjamins when uh, someone asked uh, about the Israel lobby. And they're like, oh, you're doing the money trope. The Israel lobby 
is money. That's yeah. money. We're talking about money. You can't not talk about money and just be like, oh no, never mention money. Like, I mean, you- Nancy Pelosi had a whole commission, <laughs> created a whole committee of, against hate yeah. when that happened. Yeah. And then when people pointed out, like, eh, you might want to include, like, you know, white supremacists and yeah. uh, the hate that, like, black people and women and, yeah. and Muslims get. And she was like, okay, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, fine, right. fine. Uh, do I still get the money? Be quiet now. Be quiet, quiet now. Okay, but the other, what I was sort of hinting at is the ways that um, Israel, uh, Israelis and, and Jews get lumped as the same thing. Yeah, it and, happens a lot. And, and that is a real, that is a real issue. And specifically, the state of Israel does that. Yes. The, the, Ergo birthright. The, the state of Israel uh, conflates Jews and Israel, the state, and Israeli citizenship all the time. All of the time. So this idea that like, don't conflate the two of them. It's like, I agree. Don't conflate them. As an American Jew, I agree. Do not conflate them. The Israeli government loves to conflate them, especially when it's convenient. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things with this, like, you know, the recent protests, I have not seen this much American Jewish uh, support um, in solidarity with, um, you know, Palestinians and American, uh, American Arabs. Uh, protesting it. I've never seen this yeah. much support. And I think it's because this is a newer, younger generation of people who are, they have more access to information, to be honest. They have more access to alternative media, yeah. which is the one time I'll ever say alternative media actually did something good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, YouTube politics shows are great. No, but uh, like... <laughs> No, wow, no, fired. but when it comes to uh, the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict, uh, the, it's the one place you're going to get like you're going to get some real information about what's happening. I, I said this before, but like 10 years ago, it was like Jazeera and that's it. That like it. nobody covered this. And yeah. then, you know, I think with the Internet and places, even places like BuzzFeed and Vox are yeah. like, you know, they can't get away with not talking about the issue and explaining it. Vox loves to do explainers. Yeah. And they're not terrible. I mean, they're um, they're, they're they're good enough. It's like good enough. the fact yeah. is it's closer than I've ever seen it. It's uh, closer yeah, than you'll ever lifetime. see on, on CNN or MSNBC on or my, like in my lifetime or, or Fox. I've course fox but mainstream news i want to bring in our guest because she Yay. is here direct from the streets Ooh. where she's been uh you know taking that intellectual energy uh to to the pavement uh, yeah. and she's the co-founder co-founding editor of jadalia an electronic magazine on the middle east that combines scholarly expertise and local knowledge that you should all check out uh, and she's the author of justice for some law in law and in the question of palestine please welcome noura Arakat. Your, yeah. your microphone is uh, doing like a, a buzzy, a buzz thing. Maybe refresh and come back in. So, just, so sorry. We didn't do a tech test on this. Yeah, because I go. was in this protest. How about, how's this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Great. Perfect. So I was saying, I'm in this protest. It's in front of the Israeli embassy. Tensions are high. They had like a mock funeral with, you know, the coffins for little children. It's intense, right? Yeah. And then I come over here. I'm like rushing to get back to be over here. And you two are a breath of fresh air. <laughs> this is so different than every other interview where they want to, you know, start their point of departure is tell us what's happening between Israel and Gaza. Like, first of all, nothing is happening between Israel and Gaza. <laughs> Gaza is a territory that's been demarcated as a result of like the so-called peace process. Number yes. one. Right. Yeah. Number two, this is about all of Palestine. It's not about just a single territory in it as much as you would like 
to even the way that they've been framing the Palestinian strike today has been Palestinians all over unite in solidarity with their, you know, siblings in Gaza. No, Palestinians all over have been fighting for themselves. Yeah. Right. We have we have something to say in all of our um, various geographies. And so then yeah. I come on here and you all are reading a list. <laughs> <laughs> of how we not to be an anti There it is. I think we, I, my we, daughter we has have, that, by the way. Really? <laughs> oh, this is, I love this puppet, but he's been, so during the January 6th, he was a, a coup monger. So he was like, staged a coup. Uh-huh. He was a liberal Zionist about half an hour ago, which I'm so glad you missed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I apologize, y'all, for these technical difficulties. Oh, don't no. worry. So does that mean you didn't hear what I said about liberals? You, we did a little bit. It was basically that they want everything. Say it again. The long story short is that liberals also share a vision for you know a better future. Yeah. But they just want it to happen without changing any of the material conditions that produce the 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 the, the status quo that we have now, an uncomfortable yeah. status quo. 100%. So as long as you can get there without making them uncomfortable. So you can talk about love and us all getting along, but you can't talk about actually naming racism and challenging it. You can talk about wanting to save Palestinian lives, but you can't talk about the fact that the U.S. has sustained Israel as a political entity first, you know, and very much as an outpost for, you know, U.S. empire in the Middle mm-hmm. East yeah. at the tune of, you know, billions of dollars a year and protecting it at the United Nations Security Council. Like, we, we never get to the conversation of, okay, but why, right? So liberal Zionists, liberal anti-racists, I feel yes. like, you know, have yes. a lot in common when it comes to these things. A hundred percent. Yeah, we were just going into that. But I wanted to ask you, you you've been doing all these live hits and so two questions one do you feel like you're getting more requests media requests i mean i'm so lucky to have you um do you feel like there's more people who are asking you to be on and also how is their framing um narrow or like have you had to push back you know give me your mainstream media lowdown so first of all, I want to say I'm excited to be on here with you Francesca because I've known you from the streets in Washington DC so, yeah. you know, I think before you went to South America and then came back up and then AJ plus. So oh, this is um, a long term friendship and a commitment um, and unity and struggle. So I definitely wanted to be here for sure. Um, in terms of the press, I've it's different than it's been any other time. So normally it's really reticent. Uh, folks don't want me on. And if they do bring me on, it's basically I'm in I'm ready to spar. Right. It's like, you know, in the media training 101, you don't answer any questions. You just want to go in with what you need to say because it's your only time. Right. Because it's, you know, I've been on Bill O'Reilly, but it's not like MSNBC or CNN or elsewhere have been better than Bill O'Reilly on the question of Palestine. Yeah. Right. So that's how I've normally um, uh, postured and oriented myself this time. um, I'm ready to spar. Yes. And there's, you know, it's like you're ready to just push, but there's no resistance. Yeah. I've just been given the floor, which has been awkward for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to catch up to that. And that's why you're I'm like, like, but I got oh. my point out. Aren't you yeah, going to call me an anti-Semite yeah. now? <laughs> now what do I do? How come they're just listening to me? And that said, it's not, you know, it's not across the board. So, for example, today I was on Becky Anderson um, on CNN Connect the World. And I said something that a lot of folks have known for a long time. Right. Which is that the reason Palestinians 
have not been able to, you know, communicate to the to the international community that we are in a struggle for freedom is because our oppressors have happened to be Western civilization's canonical victims, mm-hmm. right? And that victimhood yeah. has translated into a blank check to oppress us. Um, Absolutely. So she let me say it, Ooh, yes. but she hasn't put out the clip. Okay. <laughs> right? But she let well, me say it. Yeah. Um, in another steps, case, last steps. night, ABC Nightline called me, spent 20 minutes grilling me, right? I guess they mm-hmm. had a story mm-hmm. and they were grilling me so that I can fit into their story. Sure. And I wouldn't. I was like, no, no, no. That's not what it is. That's not what it is, right? This isn't Hamas. This is, you know, this is Sheikh Jarrah. This is, this is Hefa. How do you explain Jewish Zionist gangs yeah. in Lid, burning yeah. cars and yeah. marking homes with police protection? in order to attack Palestinians, can, right? Can I ask and you? And so she's like, yeah. it's too complicated. Make it simple, make it simple. I was like, okay, super simple. Palestinians are fighting for freedom against apartheid and wanting to stay on their land. I'm not sure it could be more simple than what I've just said. <laughs> we hung up the phone and then, you know, a minute later, she writes back and says, oh, sorry, the timing is not gonna work. Mind you, this was not a live interview. She said, when we started, we can take this anytime tonight. Wow. So there's that. Um, you know, some other people have promised me clips. I don't get them. But okay. I, I, all that to say is that, and, and forget that, honestly, the other thing that I'm so excited about is not even my interventions. They have so many Palestinians are everywhere, all over the media. Yes. That is new. Yes. Usually they let one Palestinian speak for like 30 seconds and then have every other analyst explain the Arab mind, the Arab psyche. You know, why Palestinians hate Jews and the rest of it. The racism. Can we just talk about the (laughs) amount of racism? And this is what you take any 101 Middle East studies class and they're always like, look, every time we talk about any other region in the world, it is always, you know, what are the sociological factors and the anthropological factors and the wars and what has shaped them? The Middle East is like, what's wrong with Muslims? Yeah. Yeah. First question. Why do they hate us? Yeah, exactly. First question. Is it our freedoms? It's like a multiple choice thing. Is it our freedoms? Is it our liberties? Is it all of the above? Yeah. Is it our women? Yeah, right. Is it our women? Right. You know, and I think, you know, part of the first comment that I made about, and this is also connected to combating anti-Semitism, right? But the first comment about us being victims of Western, and I emphasize Western civilization's canonical victims. Because humanity's victims are far more grand, right? Yeah, so yeah. Viet- the, Vietnam doesn't figure. The, 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 the victims of the, of the U.S.'s aggression in Vietnam don't figure as canonical you know, victims. The, yeah. the uh, Armenians don't figure. Descendants of, of Africans in the transatlantic slave trade don't figure, right? Yeah. But Jewish people do because this yeah. was part, this is constitutive of Western civilization's ideals of itself, mm-hmm. right? So part of what happens in conflating the um, the battle against anti-Semitism with the protection of Israel is basically avoiding having that conversation at all. Okay. It's no longer about white supremacy. It right. now becomes about the Middle East and Muslims and why they can't get along with Jews and don't want to see Israel thrive. And what that basically does is just it's, it's an avoidance altogether of, yeah. of having a discussion about white supremacy and what produced the Holocaust and what produced the exclusion of Jews from Europe and what didn't, you know, why weren't they eligible for emancipation and citizenship? Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't because, you know, and it's not to say that they didn't endure, you know, minority status in the Middle East, but this is minority status, right? right? This would be the minority status of, of, uh, of peoples in different regions, but it doesn't figure in the same way of, of Europe's prototypical anti-Semitism, because that framework frames the Jew as oriental, too religious, yeah. uh, ghettoized, mm-hmm. um, backwards because they speak Yiddish. This is like, you know, in Europe or right. right. That, that You can't say that. You can't graft that on to a history of the, the mistreatment of Jews across the Arab world. And exactly. that, I'm not to, to defend or say that that was perfect, but it's, it's not the same. Right. And it wasn't civilizational, right? Mm-hmm. There's a different, and, and people study that. And yet, what happens with this pivot is we just don't talk about it. Sure. We just, we don't get to talk about it. That's it. I we think, just have to believe it. You know, I feel, just on this point about not talking about white supremacy, I feel like Netanyahu, ever since Trump came to power, and obviously well before, but the ways that this is the first guy to congratulate Trump on winning his presidency. Mm-hmm. The first, the first person, the first, uh, you know, president or prime minister was Netanyahu. He made, yeah, Netanyahu, yeah, you he know, named I, a fucking settlement after Trump. So my, my feel like the, the break is a little bit like a little, the mask off on BB for being an anti, like being for the, the, the downtrodden and like, you know, because he's actually cozying up to white supremacists and authoritarians around the world. And anti-Semites. And anti-Semites. Yeah. European anti-Semitism. Anti- like, he's friends with Viktor Orban, and his son right. is putting out right-wing, uh, alt-right memes on the internet. Right. I mean... Did you all... Um, did you see this? The former U.S. Uh, Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Ron Dermer, was really explicit on this point when he said... Look, American Jews are no longer very sympathetic. They're really critical of Israel. We need to pivot to evangelicals instead, right? Making it, one, evangelicals believe in Armageddon, where the second coming of Christ Uh is predicated on the return of all Jews to the Holy Land and then their annihilation, number one. Well, wait, wait, one third of us get to convert convert or die. Oh, okay, so you get that chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm ready. Um, and then to go. the other, the other piece of it is just like, if it's not about the Jewish constituency, and it's you know, you you can cozy up to whoever you want to be allies with, then what is this about, right? So make yeah. it clear, this is about a political project. Absolutely. This isn't about saving and protecting Jewish people. Those are yeah. two different things. Okay, but I uh, and that's talk one of the about- things that movement has done really well. Yes. And I think part of the seas change that you all have been intimating at also has to do with the fact that so many young Jewish Americans have also come up in a moment of great protest within the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement, within the Standing yes. Rock movement, mm-hmm. and within those spaces have come to understand where Israel is as part of you know a broader anti-imperial framework have come to understand that inner, you know, as far as these movements are concerned, Palestine is part of their future and a free Palestine is part of their moral compass. So for many of these young Jews, right, in the United States, they're also coming into a place where we believe in emancipation and we believe we should, you know, we should be a part of these progressive movements, mm-hmm. but that it shouldn't exclude Palestine, right? Yeah. Right. I, I do want to actually talk about Palestinians in all of this. We've talked right. a lot about Thanks. the Jews. No. And, and, and there's a lot of places to start, but I, I am curious because you mentioned Haifa and you mentioned Lid, and these are cities that have been heralded as places where 
Jews and or, or Israelis and Palestinians live in relative calm and peace. What's wrong with that understanding? Can you talk about these cities and what's happening now? Absolutely. This is also part of a liberal fantasy, right? It's the yeah. idea, but these are mixed cities, and this is this is a model for what it looks like in the, in the future. What people fail to understand is that Zionism's expansionist ambitions don't begin at the non-borders of the West Bank or the Gaza Strip, right? The, Zionism is expansionist in its it's territorially expansionist in its makeup, and right. so there are no limits. There are no borders. And the first mm -hmm. 350 settlements that were built were built within Israel in the after between 1948 and 1951. The martial law regime that is currently still applied in the West Bank and has been applied there from 67 to the present. For folks who don't understand, martial law is basically a military law regime. There's no due process, arrest right. without trial, administrative detention. It's a security state. The, the, it's basically where where the soldier is is the, is the law, right? Yeah. They can do whatever they want, however violent that is. There's impunity. There's no justice, um, and not to say that civil frameworks are much better, but that martial law regime was applied against the Palestinians who remained in what became the state of Israel between 1948 and 1966. Okay. The reason it was applied is because the first prime minister David Ben Gurion was keen that it should there be another war with Arab states, he was going to transfer these Palestinians to, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And in addition to beyond that, beyond just the explicit transfer was under a martial law regime, you can declare somebody's neighborhood a military zone. Right. right now, they can't live there for military purposes, not because you wanted to, you know to ethnically cleanse them, so to speak. Yeah. Sure. Lid has a very very tortured history in this way it is the site of massacre um of of, of palestinians um and it's more recently the site of renewed um settlement for the past 15 years lid has been settled by israeli settlers that's hard for people to understand that settlement and where is lid exactly sorry where where is it exactly um lid happens to be one of um in in what would be considered north uh, mm -hmm. Palestine, center no north, I would say. Okay. So people people would know it actually. It's um, near Tel Aviv. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got Tel it. Aviv so is ever expanding. Um, yeah. But when we say a city is ever expanding in Israel, it's basically the settlement is, is growing, yeah. right? So for the past 15 years, Lid has been settled. Um, a right wing movement has come to it. It has a Kahanist yeah. um, mayor. Um, yeah. Palestinians there have been subject to extreme criminalization. There have been a lot of um, drugs that have been pumped into the city, a type of, you know, patterns that we know very well in the United mm -hmm. States of minority communities. So now, you know, and beyond all that, I think the important thing to understand is that within Israel, it is understood that this is a Jewish state and that the Palestinians who remained aren't natives to the land. They're not the indigenous people of the land. They are Arab minorities in right. a way that negates their national status mm -hmm. and that their presence is a presence not of belonging for generations, but one where we're going to let them stay. If they step out of line, mm -hmm. right, and demand more than the crumbs they're given, um, that is when they become insolent guests.
So the backlash, what you know, these programs against the Palestinian citizens of Israel are reflective of that reality and shatters the liberal mythology that there was ever, you know, equality. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like we I keep relating this to here because I just want to echo people understand this well, right? People the question of race didn't really reemerge as a central question for Americans until Barack Obama became president and broke that social contract Mm -hmm. that we can have equality, but you can't have power. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, it's much more complicated than that, but it, but it echoes these frameworks of people who are allowed to stay, but allowed to stay as guests. I know where lit. I can't remember. I, I can't. Isn't Dem from Lid the Palestinian yes. hip hop? Yeah. I, why did I block that out? Tamar Nafar, Suhail Nafar, Mahmoud Jiri. They they've been excellent. They just put out a petition two days ago asking for international protection. They want UN peacekeepers to come in and protect them Damn because that. they have been attacked by mobs that are protected by Israeli police. Ugh. And that's the condition, right? So you want to talk yeah. about rockets in Gaza? Oh no! 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 Oh my God! This you got it. I move around. You got it. Too you much. got it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy this is happening with you, Francesca. And oh, it's better that it's happening with me. This is this is where you work out all the perfect. That's why we call this a bonus episode. Yeah. If it were the oh, whole episode, thing. a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is our as opposed to her regular. It's not Sunday. canon. It's outside of it. Right. Right. And this one, we're allowed to like look stuff up on the internet, not talk for a while. It's great. Oh my God, I hope you edit this. No, 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 but but that's because, so there's two things that I'm learning, obviously, and I think people don't know this, is that Arab Israelis, people who have- Palestinian, Palestinian citizens of Israel. Pa- yeah. Palestinian citizens of Israel. They don't have the exact same citizenship status no. as no, no. Israeli Jews. So the way that it works out is that, um, what Israel has done is it's bifurcated Israeli citizenship from Jewish nationality so that your rights to settle the land, to immigrate to Israel and become a citizen immediately, to be able to acquire you know, certain positions and jobs, to have eligibility um, and leadership, all flows through your nationality, Jewish mm. nationality. That nationality is available to any Jew anywhere in the world, yep. right? It's an extraterritorial form of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, citizenship is a form of, you know, a truncated set of rights mm-hmm. that you can have. So what Israel normally does is it, it, it discriminates on the basis of nationality yeah. and it excludes on that basis. Adala, the Legal Center for Arab Minority Rights based in Haifa, has a database of some 51 laws that prima facie discriminate against the Palestinian citizens of Israel or otherwise privilege the Jewish nationals, Mm. right? So let me give you just a couple examples. One happens to be the ban on family reunification. So the, the Israeli Knesset passes a ban. You cannot offer your citizenship. No one can, you know, adjust their immigration status and become a citizen of Israel if they come 
from an enemy geography defined wow. as where Palestinians are. So Syria, wow. Lebanon, um, the West Bank, Gaza, right? So they they can't acquire status. Now on the face of it, it looks like, okay, but they didn't, tar- they didn't target anyone. They said anyone who falls in love with somebody from those geographies is not going to be able to live within Israel because they can't offer them their citizenship. Yeah, but it disproportionately impacts who is going to be affected. Who the, who do you think they're trying to keep out? Yeah. And which which Israelis uh, citizens are trying to marry people from those geographies? So there's a disproportionate impact. When challenged in the Supreme Court mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, of Israel, the one of the justices responded that you know this isn't about a love story. This is about Israel's existence because Israel defines its existence is predicated on maintaining a Jewish demographic majority. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a social engineering process. Same way that they have when there was a similar law that, you know, somebody, a Palestinian Israeli sued to be able to live in an Israeli settlement. I know, a little nuts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but sued to be able to live in a settlement. It was, it, but it was also part of strategic litigation, basically to demonstrate that this isn't public housing. Right. This is mm-hmm. settler housing. Mm-hmm. Totally, you know, totally. Jewish Zionist colonial settler colonial housing um, wins the case, right? But then what um, different Jewish Zionist communities did is they created, you know, a social doctrine that had to, that, that, and I forget the exact name, but it basically says social suitability. Mm-hmm. So that the committees, the communities get to decide who they consider socially suitable. On its face, they say, well, if we're all vegan, we only want vegans here. And if we're all, um, you know, whatever, right. uh, for we're all, uh, socialist we're all, economy, we only want socialists yeah. here. We're all They're keeping up Palestinians. Here. Yeah. So that that's the way, you know. For so for for so many, you get to say, but look, there's there's Palestinians in the Knesset. So what? They'll never. They're never going to be have power. Yeah. And. They have to sign, you know, some sort of loyalty oath that says that they won't challenge Israel's Zionist credentials. So you can never challenge that Israel is a Jewish state only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I, okay, back to whether this is new or not. Do you feel like because of some of the resistance within side 48, within, you know, the Palestinian citizens inside of Israel, or Palestinians inside of Israel and the world's reaction that we might be either facing another intifada a or just or something like like what's the what's going to happen right now do you yeah. think Israel's going to actually stop dropping missiles yeah it will it will eventually stop dropping missiles i mean the, all israelis understand that there's no military solution to uh, the question of hamas and have been very clear that they actually want to preserve Hamas in power because their absence would create a power vacuum. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about Hamas. Gaza becomes a site that has been so thoroughly securitized as a national security question that it's able to detract from any other, you know, any other of Israeli violations. I mean, Netanyahu has done in part this attack Um, is also to deflect from the fact that he's indicted for corruption. If he doesn't stay in power, he's going to jail, which is so sick, which is so sick that Palestinians will be be killed in order to save his political career. Now, the reason this is not as successful as the past campaigns have been is because 
people are fed up. I mean, they believed the first time maybe that Hamas was really this like lustful Jew hating organization hell bent on annihilating, you know, driving Jews to the sea that, yeah, they do hate their children and they hide, they hide their weapons in houses. You can't do that four times, right? In a span of, you know, 13 years, children who are 13 years old have only known siege and war. You can't do that in a span of, of 13 years. Maintain the status quo, refuse to negotiate, refuse to lift a debilitating necropolitical siege, ensure death in Gaza, and expect the world to believe you, yeah. right? So yes, I do think that what we're experiencing right now is a bit of a sea change. Um, and certainly it's the result of Palestinian sacrifice and protest, what they've declared today on the day of strike as the Palestinian Intifada of unity. It's an nice. uprising of unity because we've overcome these juridical and political fragmentations that want to make us have different struggles. We have a single struggle, right? Um, we want to be on our lands. We belong yeah. to it. Um, so I would say the first and foremost, this is what Palestinians have done through sacrifice. Yeah. But I also want to give, you know, credit where credit's due. Israel has done a lot of this work too. Israel has made clear there will be no peace process, mm -hmm. yeah. that they have no negotiating partner, even with Mahmoud Abbas, who is the most compliant Palestinian leader in our history. He right. has done everything to satisfy U.S. and Israeli demands and has only gotten the deal of the century in return. Yeah. Right? Um, mm -hmm. That there will be no Palestinian state. They've made that explicit. They want to annex the Jordan Valley. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep the Golan Heights. Mm -hmm. Right? Palestinians can stay in their Bantu stands. They've made that clear. They've killed the Israel has decimated its left wing, right? Yeah. Through its punishment. internal left wing. There is no Israeli left anymore because Israel yeah. has decimated it. Yeah. So it's it's become apparent. Wait, if you're gonna kill, if you're gonna crush the peace process and state clearly there's no Palestinian state, then what's the end game? And then you're going to be bombing uh, a populate a two million people under siege and shooting. You know, they're targeting them in their homes. Mm -hmm. Amnesty International showed as much in 2014 where they demonstrated that Israel was targeting inhabited homes. It wasn't reckless. There wasn't collateral damage. They were targets. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know. I, terrorism, the way I define it, is the targeting of civilians in order to achieve a political advantage and goal. Yeah. It's yeah. terrorism. Yeah. It's terrorism. It's amazing who gets to wield that term. Right. And, and it's so crystal clear that that term is meaningless. And it, but if there's one clue is that when people say that Hamas is a terrorist organization, if the U.S. says that, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you mean stateless? Yeah. Like, which Basically. is a dead giveaway. But a, but a military and a, and a state, a, a nation could never be a terrorist right. organization. No, yeah. no that's, yeah. that's uh, you know. It's not terrorism when it's a state. It's policy. Exactly. Well, that's actually in international law. There's, that's the reason that there's no definition of terrorism. Western mm -hmm. civilization couldn't agree with the global south. The global south insisted, well, if, define it as any targeting of civilians. And Western states insisted no. No, there's sometimes only when non-state actors do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and in terms of the future, like now that the end game, I think you're right, is so clear that the the massive projection of oh, Arabs and Palestinians want to drive Jews into the sea, uh, like 
what are you doing right yeah. now? Holy shit, your end game is you've revealed your hand. Not that people didn't know that it was going this way for so many years. And and I just want to name like the human toll and, and that once again, people being shot in the chest, journalists being killed, children being targeted, like, I feel like we've de done a lot of thinking about like, you know, American Jews and how they're feeling and mm -hmm. nah, 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 and like, let's never forget the human toll and that every single day. That well, that's, life that's the life. other thing that I've been really emphasizing is um, there's been a desensitization to our mm -hmm. death. You just see a lot of Muslim bodies being blown up all the time, whether it be in yeah. video games, whether it be in television. And the United States is part of this too, right? As it continues, mm -hmm. it's endless war against terror that the, the the ability to you just you just expect brown people to die right there isn't a there isn't a similar outrage um and so that 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 is a deep deep part of it right yes, same yes. thing with the conversation about violence and this goes back to fanon that liberals aren't uncomfortable with violence until the natives use it but you had no problem with violence as it's been used against us by colonial powers. Why are you, we're not the ones that need lecturing on nonviolence. You know, yeah. if anything, you know, I'm always stunned about how Palestinians are not using more violence. Yeah. yeah. Right. And in yeah. 2018, 2018 was really my, my biggest heartbreak when Palestinians rose up in mass, some 30 to 40,000 Palestinians who marched in the Gaza March of Return, children's family, and the day before they even marched, they had, and it had nothing to do with Hamas, right? The day before they even marched, the Israeli army prepared their snipers at 300 meter distances and shot to kill them like birds. And, and I thought, oh my God, this is the moment. All these people who've driven me crazy you only had a Palestinian Gandhi. Like you have yeah, thousands well. of tens of thousands of Gandhis, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I really, really, really did think that that was going to be a turning point. Yeah. And no, I, I know uh, the, yeah. the narrative became that Hamas has co-opted civilians in order to, you know, in peaceful protests in order to continue its aggression against Israel. I'm like, is there anything that we can do? Is there any way that we can resist? No. Where we become yeah. legible. Yeah. And and what's exciting about this moment is that we finally becoming legible. Yeah. Thanks to so much work that you've done. And and I and I also want to just ask you I'm like ping ponging between the human impact and then the political stuff and blah. And that's sort of what this issue is perpetually, of course. Mm -hmm. But Biden, let's talk about what the F is going on here. Nuda, he wanted, he wants to leave Afghanistan. Obama was the one to said Netanyahu was a pain in the ass. There was a little bit of daylight, although with no toothless daylight between the Obama administration and Bibi. At least they hated each other personally. You know? Yeah, at least, was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. But not until, not until, not until uh, Obama wanted to, to ent you know, enter into rapprochement with Iran. Right. That mm -hmm. was that was the end of their their mm -hmm. own moonlighting. Yeah, anyway. for sure. So then, what 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 are you uh, seeing out of Biden and the Biden administration, and like why? I don't know. What are your thoughts on other than um, so <laughs> Biden? <laughs> um, I I definitely thought that we should vote 
against Trump. I was mm-hmm. one of those. And I and I and I still am, right? I do believe, you know, I was never compelled. I was never I I wanted the argument argue for me how another to me how another 4 years of Trump was going to get us closer to the revolution that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, short of that, then there are material harms being done, you know, to people within the United States, to families who are separated, um, to children in our economy, in, in medical health care, in the rest of it, that we have, we do not have the space to organize as we should, right? That our, our organizing space has been shrunk and we have someone in office we, uh, who has emboldened white supremacists to come out armed and to yeah. do what they like, right? So I was, I never, and I knew that any, any U.S. president was going to remain uh, uh, the leader of empire. Yeah. So I didn't have any expectations about Palestine from Biden. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know that some people are disappointed, which surprises me. Because I'm like, <laughs> what did you expect? I, they weren't yeah. going to ever change on this. Yeah. They weren't ever yeah. going to, right? They, they yeah. want to maintain their 800 military bases around the world. They want to maintain domination in the Middle East and compliant regimes so that they can extract geopolitical resources. Mm-hmm. They want to maintain their domination and occupation of Hawaii so that they can continue to compete with China as a um, emerging superpower. So I didn't have that kind of Fancy, but it's been really interesting to see that that's actually been part of people's surprise and disappointment, right? Yeah. Um, what I think is going on with Biden is twofold. Number one, he's continuing Obama's legacy. At some point, Obama recognized that the pri- the political price he would have to pay in order to move the needle on the question of Palestine was too high a price. It would cost him too much political capital. He mm. wanted to pivot to Asia. He mm. supposedly was pulling out of Syria and it was enough for him to achieve the Iran agreement. And right. so basically gave Israel a blank check. Obama did. Um, the Biden administration now as it's trying to re-enter into the Iran agreement is also recognizing that it doesn't want to expend its political capital on trying to resolve the Palestinian question. So is giving Israel a blank check yet again mm-hmm. in yeah. order to um, recoup their losses yeah. from under the Trump administration. And Palestinians remain, you know, this humanity's sacrificial lamb, yeah. basically. But is the other thing strategic? that's going on... Sorry, I, go ahead. What was that? I was just asking, is it... It feels like... How is it not the cost benefit just like kind of I feel like the United States, it's not in our benefit anymore to keep on supporting Israel. Like if it ever was for all the bad faith reasons, even those bad faith reasons don't feel like it's a good selling point anymore. Do you know what no, I'm no, 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 no. There's been um, several military leaders have made this clear to American you know, presidents that actually you will you will have a better chance of advancing your imperial interests in the Middle East if you actually, uh, you know, allow Palestinians to have a modicum of freedom. No, so even for the bad faith reasons, (laughs) exactly, it's not in their interest. Um, This was in the aftermath. I think this was the Iraq uh, strategic report, right, which was examining where does the U.S. stand after the 2003 Iraq invasion. and, And that was the conclusion. You need to you need to achieve something for the Palestinians, this can't remain. Mm. Um, 
But then there's the other reason. And that is how, in, in, and, and this, re- this actually also reflects the schism within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. There is the Democratic establishment that within it, it's constitutive of a commitment to Israel. Right. Right. It's constitutive and it's not just, you know, the lobby and it's not just interests, you know, for, for running on elections. It's cultural as well. It's spiritual as well. It's understanding and seeing Israel as an extension of the United States in the Middle East as part of the easternmost front to protect the U.S. from, you know, Islamic and Arab terrorists, right? So there is a way, and culturally even, like think about narratives of, they're white. They're not, I mean, Israelis aren't all white, obviously. Of course. But in the American imagination, they're white. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. Americans don't understand that they're that they're Middle Easterners, they're African descent, you know, African right. descent. But they understand them as white. There is an affinity there um, that also entrenches that commitment. And and Joe Biden is very much part of that commitment. Who do we see not part of that commitment? It's the members of Congress who are primarily of color. Mm-hmm. It's the members of Congress who have been lifted up by movement, have been elected by movements, and so mm-hmm. come from the spaces where this analysis has been forged. Yes. So I just want to give also, you know, hat off to movement and the tireless activist work that right. oftentimes goes unrewarded and unseen. Um, but it's it's been that. It's been that work in the streets. It's been being creating a new culture a new yes. spiritual orientation um, and analysis that's allowed their their representatives to, to also be influenced by it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Nora, thank you so much. And I do just want to say, it, this is one of those issues that after all these decades and all the work and 10, 15 years ago, when we're talking about linking, you know, black liberation struggles in the United States and civil rights struggles with indigenous rights struggles to the to Palestine and that seemed like the most radical thing in the world. <laughs> I mean that seemed like what do you you know but all that was laying this groundwork, laying these seeds so that Cory Bush could say Yes you know, Speak you know, it, on- Francesca. Listen, yeah. I was at Berkeley Law School when I was at Berkeley undergrad when we had, you know, intersectional panels before we called it intersectionality. Mm. I was at Berkeley Law School when I got to invite the one and only Yuri Kochiyama. Oh. Right. To to speak on what it was like as an Asian American to fight against white supremacy and how that's linked to p- the Palestinian struggle. We're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Those are all seeds we plant. Uh, we planted everything we're seeing today, especially in the United States, are, are the product of that slow, diligent work. So also, I know it gets people get burnt out in movement. I oh mean, you just got to expand that timeline. Yes, just expand that timeline of, of how change happens. I, yes, I mean, I really, and I do hope that once this is over, because there will be a return to over. the status quo, yeah. that what is forever changed is the sea change of how we talk about this. That we no longer have to shy away from, from let's have the honest, converse, the honest conversation I would like to have on the opposite side of this is the one that says, in order for Israel to continue as it is, we have to continue to um, subjugate Palestinians, remove them from their home, and prevent them from the right of return, and keep them criminalized and besieged. Mm-hmm. Is it 
or is it not worth it? That is the most honest conversation we should be having. And, and many people will say it is it, worth it. And we because should be Jews having it not so just much. because there's violence and not, or extra violence. <laughs> it's violence on violence. Like we only have these conversations when Hamas starts, you know, uh, like shooting rockets or whatever, but nobody, Al-Aqsa Mosque yeah. is not part of the discussion, you know, no. and, and the everyday violence is not part of the discussions. So you're absolutely right. Um, and thank you for taking this time. And I and everybody follow Nora, read her book. Um, What's the book called? It is called Justice, Justice for, for Some. Some Law and the Question of Palestine. All right. Law and the Question of Palestine. And don't be intimidated. Yes, it is a story about law, but I, I tell a different story about the relationship between law and politics and how it helps narrate the story of, of, of the history of the present from 1917 to 2017. Mm, I'm so excited. And if you hear the way that Noda speaks, you can imagine just how wonderful this book is. I know. Um, do you do an audiobook version of it where you read it? <laughs> you all got to tell Stanford. Everybody's been asking me for that. I don't, I want to, sure. You, you should narrate an audio uh, book version of it because you're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for your solidarity. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being fabulous and hilarious yeah. and making the revolution joyful. <laughs> thank you thank you and everybody check out Jadalia as well um do not sleep on that website all right take good care Nora. we'll see you again and thank you guys for joining us everyone who's been here matt lieb yeah happy to be here matt lieb's got another podcast in like 20 minutes yep i sure do hell yeah and uh this has been the habituation room podcast uh live stream guys become a patron give up give us five bucks two bucks whatever you got bucks mm -hmm. 20 um, bucks patreon.com a thousand bucks patreon.com slash habituation room for all this kind of good good and more get that good every good. single week get that content um thank you all for being Eat here up. for your lovely comments and uh we will see you on sunday uh we got a great a great show uh why you said that like you didn't have a great no show. we do have a great, show. Got a great show i've got i'm trying i was trying to remember uh my guests mm, uh robert evans of behind the bastards Ooh, pod is robert. going to be on yeah he's it's great. gonna be so good love y'all love all y'all uh free palestine <laughs>